one of the scriptures we've been on is Mark 11, and we're looking at the 23rd, 24th, 22nd verse. So we'll look at Mark 11, chapter 11, if you'll turn there. And we're going to start at the 11th verse this morning, at verse 11. I'm going to skip around here, so you're going to have to stay with me. But uh, to get going in this message, I want you to look at somebody and ask them this question, are you ready? All right, find a couple people and ask them the question, are you ready? Now, right now, you don't know what you're ready for, but, but, but I want to get you prepared for are you ready? Because you need to be ready to receive from God. Most, one of the most compelling stories in the Bible is listed right here. Probably the greatest faith teaching that we get is right here. Jesus gives us a clarity about faith that, and the operation of faith that is, 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 is wonderful. I, I want to say it surpasses others, but if you're a student of the Bible, you realize that's not true. All Scripture is given by inspiration, and so it all has a, it, it is all anointed, it is all breathed of God, and so it all matters. But there are just places where you can find information that clear up the, the, the question marks that exist for us as believers. And, and when, when I got saved, I didn't get saved. I don't know about anybody else in this room. I didn't get saved to get worse. I didn't get saved to have less. I didn't get saved so I could do less. I want to find out how I can have the experience that God said that I can have. See, the Bible says there that I can have everything in it. All the promises of God are yes and amen. Look at somebody and say, God said yes. God said yes. What did God say yes to? He said yes to your healing. You're not wondering whether he said yes. He said yes to your healing. What else did he say? He said yes to your prosperity. He said yes to your deliverance from sin and your ability to obey God. To overcome sin. To overcome unrighteousness in your life. God has already said yes. The Bible says that cursed is everyone that hangs upon a tree that the blessings of Abraham might come upon us. That God has already decided the matter relationally to us. He said he provided all things that pertain to life and godliness and all spiritual blessings. That we're not to take for lightly or for granted all of the promises of God and all of his benefits. And forget not all my benefits. And so getting saved was a, was a benefit-filled package. And many people feel like that, it, that, that some people won't receive Christ. They won't move into the things of God because they feel that they're going to miss out on life. You know, it's almost an unwritten rule today. I, one of the problems that we deal with that, 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 that is hard for everybody to understand is that, that, that living for God is better. It's better. Uh, you go to young people today and, and, and you talk to them about living right, not being in the clubs, not, not being an alcoholic or, or drinking and partying and all that kind of stuff. And they will tell you, I mean, I've had them come to me and tell me, well, I'm young. As if young equals party. <laughs> that, that somehow, if you are between the, if you're not 40 and plus, an old guy like us, that it is imperative that you live like South Beach. You know, I mean, that's the, but that's a television model. That isn't a real deal. That's not real. 
I, I thought about that beer commercial you're going to watch today on the Super Bowl. And, and uh, you're going to watch, they're going to show you the little dog climbing through the hole and loving on the little, little, little horses and, and all the wonderful things and how precious it is. And that beer makes your family just pure and happy. What they ought to show you in that commercial is what it does to the family that lost the family member that died in the alcoholic car crash. What they ought to do is show you the wrecked homes and the destroyed people from an alcoholic father. They ought to show you the people in a rehab. They ought to take you into the hospital room and show you what it's really like. You know, when you go in there and look at that person dying of cirrhosis of the liver. Because that's the real truth, see. But the world wants to sell us on this idea of that, it's, that, that, like, that that kind of thing makes life better. That if you're involved in that kind of thing, that life will be better for you. And every person that has had the experience of being around alcoholic family members or parents or watching, I mean, today, do you realize the number one cause of death in the United States today, premature and early death with heart failures, kidney failures, uh, 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 liver failure, disease, is literally alcoholism or the products of alcohol? I, I tell you today, I, did, I, haven't, I, I don't think you have to party. I don't think you have to club. I don't think, see, when you've learned, when you receive Jesus Christ, you ought to be translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Young people, the Bible says to value the days of your youth when your hair's not gray. See, as you get older, I asked an old lady one time, and she, she was a saint of God, loved God. She was in the church, and, you know, they were having one of them Holy Ghost services, and, and everybody was dancing, and she wasn't, she wasn't really tearing it up. You know what I'm saying? Some of them older folks, it was, an old, it was a campground for retired ministers, and the young folks were dancing all over the place. And I asked her about dancing and singing and shouting. She said, hey, when you get older, it gets harder. She said, if I start to dancing, the first thing I got to do is go to the bathroom. Some of y'all might understand that. The younger folks ain't got a clue. They ain't nobody got a, they don't know what we're talking about. But there is a youthfulness to us when we're young. There's an energy and a zeal and an ability. There's a, there's a, there is a communication that is available to a young person. When a young man or a young woman will share the, the gospel of Jesus Christ from a younger perspective, it's received much better and much more graciously than as you go. You take your little child and let them tell somebody about Jesus. They won't reject the child. But you and I go, they'll reject us. And what you don't understand is, is that as, as a young person, that your value in the kingdom of God is not more, but your ability is. It, not, I mean that from the energy standpoint. I'm not talking about what you can do. I'm just saying, man, when I was younger, if I could start today with my knowledge, because I'm, man, I have 14 years of ministry, dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of experiences, serious challenges, wisdom that I've gained through experience and through literature and through other ministries. If I could take that back and be 20, oh my, I would turn the world. And so here you are as a young person, and the devil wants to steal your youthfulness. He wants to delay your relationship with him. The devil wants to, to hold back 
your ability as a young person. By, by many, many methods. Relationships, things, people, places. And so in these events, one day you wake up. You know, it, it's amazing to me. I woke up the other day and my son... Now, this is, now, those of you that have been there, you understand what I'm talking about. When the Bible says life is but a vapor, you wake up in your son's ten. And you wonder, where did nine go? Where did eight go? I mean, you're proud they're ten. But where did those years go? It, uh, Fifteen years almost now, we'll be, well, fourteen years. This will be our fourteenth year in ministry here in Florence. Where did the years go? Where did they go? And, and, and you, have, you only have them once. You realize the minute that we're in right now, we can never have again. That minute can never be restored to us. We'll have it right now and that's it. And so for you young people, listen to me. There is no, it's turn off South Beach. Turn off Wild on Miami. Because that's not reality. That's not real. They don't show you the girl that got pregnant and had to go home and try and explain that to her parent. They don't show you how that girl got drunk and got gang raped in, the ro in a motel room. Come on, let's be honest about it. They don't show you the rejection that was experienced. They don't show you the car crashes that, that, that happened on, on the beach. The people that died on the, on the beach while they were partying. The nine people that died and the families around the graveyard. I just want to be real honest this morning. We don't have time to fool around. I want you to look at somebody and say this, because I believe this. Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. Find somebody else and say it again. Jesus is coming soon we don't have time and and you don't have time to waste your years i don't know why all of a sudden the spirit of the lord came on me about this because i think you know when these people are out there they feel like i mean what is your resume if it's filled with a bunch of partying that somehow that 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 equates to a life full that if you did all that you'll have a, a testimony someday you can talk about it I would love to go back. I tell you today, there are so many things that if I could go back at 46 and redo, how many lives have been changed? How many lives have been altered? How many marriages were wrecked? And so young people listen to me in this room. He said, give your heart to him while you're young. You live, we as born again believers do not live from the outside in. We don't live externally. We don't live with external environments. We don't, we're not, we're not, we're not, that's not how, listen, if you go find that guy in that bar, or you find your girlfriend in a bar, there are a couple things that could happen there. Number one, that's a horrible environment to find your mate. I mean, I mean, what are, what are you going to get? <laughs> what are you really, and I'm not just, I mean, don't get me wrong. But I mean, if you're looking there, then you're not looking here. The Bible says that we're to be led by the Spirit of God. 
For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. If what you're looking for is external and you haven't found out already on the inside what God wants for you, then anything will do. Somebody say amen. amen. And so I just felt led this morning just for a minute to speak to you young people and say to you that you need to start listening to the inside. You college and career age kids, I know that you think it's boring to not be at the club. But if you were living with God on the inside and your heart was streaming towards Him and your environment and your desires were for the Lord, you wouldn't need the external stimulation you're going after. God works from the inside out. It may take some reprogramming. It may take a little bit of reprogramming. Because if you've been in the world, you've been going, the flesh is kind of like eating cheesecake every night and steaks. Has anybody ever fasted? Anybody ever been on a diet? I'm on the Atkins again. But this is my last diet. Look at somebody say, it's pastor's last diet. I mean, I'm never going on a diet again. Not as long as I live. This is the very last one. I'm going to lose the weight and I ain't never to gain in the back. I ain't happening. This is my last diet. But when you start the Atkins diet, you do that first three days. It's like you got to go 14 to 16 days on, you know, in ketosis. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? Where you, all you have is no carbs and all you eat is, is uh, carb-free food. So all the bread is gone, all the pasta is gone, all that, all the sugar. No sugar. I could have ate a bag of sugar on day three. If you've ever been on this diet, about day three, you sick. It, around here, everybody asks, Pastor, are you on a diet? Because if it's day three, they don't want to be around me. They, is, is this day three? Is this day three? It's like a big thing around here. Is it day three? Because day three, your body is detoxifying. You, you, all that carb and all that sugar and over that 14-day period that you're on this initial plan, you have to detox your body from this carb absorption. I mean, you have to understand, for me, I mean, at 9 o'clock at night became a carb fest. I could go all day without eating anything. But when 9 o'clock came, voices came from the fridge. <laughs> I heard voices. Eat me. <laughs> I, it was scrambling up 10 if I hadn't eaten screaming, screaming. Cheesecake. detoxifying your life and as a born-again believer you've lived under the flesh maybe before you got born again but the flesh is corruption the flesh the Bible says the spirit wars against the flesh you have to understand that for you to become what God wants you to become you got to detox you don't get saved and the next day don't want a cigarette you'll be digging through the grass to find cigarette butts I mean, I mean, you don't, you don't instantly, you know, I mean, you don't have, no longer have sexual desires. You no longer have challenges in these areas. You're just free from all that. 
No, you programmed your flesh. You lived to the flesh. You did all that you did to the flesh. You were a flesh. That's all you heard from is your flesh and your mind, your will and emotion. That's all you had. you got to learn to listen to the spirit that is on the inside of you. You've got to learn to tune the flesh out. And so, when, as you get saved, as you move forward, the only way, listen, I found out something. One of the things I found out is that to overcome something, you've got to replace it. If you were with somebody that you can't be with anymore, or you're in a relationship, you've got to replace the time. Because if you sit there at home by yourself and they out, and all you do is think about them. Now, I know ain't nobody ever been there but me. And you fantasize about what they're doing, who they with. You will be calling them. Hey. <laughs> well, yeah. What you doing? You have to replace it. You have to replace it with new people. Replace it with new things. With, with new phone numbers. And, and don't find the same old mess. Go find people that will help you grow. When I was in the business world, they had a saying. And, and this was their saying. They say, if you want to be a success, hitch your wagon to a star. Has anybody ever heard that? Hitch your wagon to a star. You don't go find people who are unsuccessful. You go find the people who figured out how to do it. Because there's a formula to success. You keep hanging around bums, you're going to be a bum. You keep hanging around the world, you're going to be worldly. Come on now. I mean, even the Bible says that there are women that lay in wait. Speak truth, Pastor Steve. They're waiting. And if you get yourself in that environment, you're going to get yourself in trouble. You've got to get out of those environments. You've got to change those things. And then you'll begin to live to the Spirit. Then those things won't be enticing anymore. They won't matter to you. And so I say to you young people today, listen, you don't need to go to the club. You know, I, I don't know where the rule is that says, okay, if you're 18 to 30, go to the club. There's no rule. You get out of the club. If you're born again and you're saved, Jesus don't go to clubs. What the Bible says, he says, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. When you walk in the club, when you're asleep in the wrong bed, when you're in the crack house, you take the Holy Ghost to the crack house. And he don't go to no crack house. And, and if, if you've come to the point, listen, if you have come to the point that you no longer feel the sting of the Spirit when you go, because there should be, a, there should be an urgency, there should be something that says this is inappropriate, you shouldn't be here, then you have... You have seared your conscience to the Spirit. You have seared your... See, I can drink hot coffee today. If I went down to Starbucks, my coffee's never hot enough. I have to actually have them put steam in my coffee because it has to boil. I, and, and food. I want my food hot. I'm talking about it's either hot or cold. Don't give me nothing with slime on it. If I go to the Chinese food... I go at the right time. You know what I'm saying? If you go at 2 o'clock, it's going to be slimy. You got to go when it's hot, when they're making it, when people are coming to eat. You understand what I'm talking about? Anybody know what I'm talking about? See, somebody's done been there. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. 
you know, and stirring it ain't going to do it for me. It's got to be hot. I want fresh stuff. I don't want that old wing that's been sitting there for two hours. No, no. And so for me, I can, but, but if I let, if you drank that coffee, you'd have blisters in your mouth. You would, it would be impossible for you to drink the coffee at the heat level that I drink it. Some of you might, but because I'm, I have seared myself. I no longer am sensitized to it. And so some of us have gotten to the point where we have desensitized ourselves to things that we ought to be sensitive to. And, and let me say this. You have to understand. Don't, don't let me tell you what to do. I'm not the Holy Ghost. You have the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. And I, I believe that he will speak to you if you'll listen. But you know, there are these games out there today. I have a 10-year-old or a 9-year-old. He's not going to be 10. He thinks he's 10. I have a 9-year-old. I have a 7-year-old. I have a 3-year-old going to be 4 on uh, the 12th. And uh, I'm, I limit what they see. I, I wouldn't go buy my child. You do what you want to, but I'm not going to go get Grand Theft Auto for my nine-year-old. <laughs> Please don't get mad with me now. Don't get mad with me now. But I'm not going to go get a game that's going to shoot police officers and you be the bad guy. That's got foul language and nudity in it. Now, mom and dad, you may not even know that's there, but that's because you hadn't checked. My kids don't go on the internet. And if they do, we're sitting with them. They're going to go with me on the internet. I wouldn't go buy Halo for my nine-year-old son or my seven-year-old son. I, I, I might buy games that they can play and things like that. I, wouldn't, I, I mean, there are some games that are a lot of fun out there. There's things they can do that are safe and appropriate. And that, that value and, and, and con, because I am a guard over their spirit. How many of y'all understand that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord searching all the inward parts? I think, I believe this, that we have so desensitized our society at such a young age that children are looking at pornography at eight and ten and parents don't even know it. Well, what do you think his sex value is by the time he's 25? What do you think he thinks of women by the time he's 25 when all he's looked at is women that have been devalued and, and, and used and abused and mistreated, none being real, all fake? No, parents, we have a responsibility to guard the spirits of our children, to watch over, to know what games they play. Don't just think that it's okay to allow these things into your life. Witchcraft and voodoo and spiritualism, I don't let them in my house. I don't let them on my iPad. Look, go play your child's game. Go read the review on that game. Go find out. If it's, if it's not age appropriate and it's got a, if it's got a label on it that says 17 and above, then why would your 8-year-old be playing it? Let alone, let me tell you something else that's just as bad. For you to sit there, please be, love me now. If I watch an adult film, and I'm talking not, not X-rated, I'm talking about adult content like, a, like, a, like a, you know, a Criminal Minds or something like that that's adult content where somebody might get shot or get hurt or wounded or stabbed or whatever, I'm very conscious of whether or not my kids are sitting in the room. I don't, I don't play movies in the sight of my children 
that I don't think Jesus would want them watching. Oh, it's okay. It's just got a little bit of nudity in it, a whole bunch of cussing. <laughs> Quiet. <laughs> I love these moments because I've been called the pastor. And a real man of God who loves the people in his church will tell them the truth. I want my children and I want you to be sensitive to the Spirit of God, to sensitive to the things of God, so that, so that your children, you know, there was a day where we didn't have cell phones and iPads and, you know, people actually survived, they actually lived, they actually made it. Did you know that? We have used iPads as a babysitter. We don't even communicate with our kids. But they're, they're fatherless and motherless. They're iPad-ish. All they got is an iPad as a parent. I love sitting with my children. I make time to sit with them and communicate with them to talk. You know, how many of you, just be honest about this. I don't know why, but the Spirit of the Lord is on this for me. Because I believe one of the things that the devil wants to destroy is the family. How many of you have sat at the dinner table with your children, your wife, your husband, and had a dinner in the last month? Less than 10% sitting in the room. Don't you think we ought to sit? I mean, we, we'll all sit around and watch football tonight. No discussion, no communication, no influence. Except the beer commercials we're going to watch. And hopefully we don't have another malfunction with the wardrobe. That's funny anyhow. You know, they seem to have those every year lately. Have you noticed? Is this malfunction, that malfunction? I'm thinking it's not a malfunction. But I might be a little bit conspiratorial there. Point being, don't let society dictate to us and determine what life is. Let me show you something. This book, your Bible, is the standard with which we live. And this standard will never change. It will never change. Life standards change. Acceptance changes. The things in this earth change. But he said, my word will never be void. It will never change. And the only thing that we know that is stable, the only thing that we know that we can count on that is rock solid is the word of God. I thank God for the choices that I've made in my life. Because I have a solid marriage with a, with a wife that we, we totally love each other. And totally care about each other. It is not perfect, but it is maturing. And it's wonderful. I have wonderful children who talk about God. Sing Jesus songs and sing. And they're interested in the house of God. Interested in things of God. Excited to come to church on Sunday. Have a wonderful opportunity to do what God's called me to. Wonderful friendships and relationships. And I tell you today, it's all because I made a choice for Jesus. A serious choice. I made a choice that, that, that I, didn't, I, I didn't need the world. I needed Jesus. The cross was before me and the world was behind me. And there was no turning back. I'm not saying I didn't slip. I've slipped, but I didn't turn back.